Welcome to episode 153 of the Grip Strip Podcast, the 38th special edition of the Grip Strip Podcast. My name is Philip Matthew, I'm your host, and I'm with my co-host Josh Afine. Uh Sorry for uh, the result there on Saturday, man, but your Jacksonville Jaguars definitely have a lot of hope for the future, um, keeping up with Patrick Mahomes and all that. Yeah, the Jags, of course, you know, taking the L Saturday uh, night you know, to the Kansas City Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes. Uh, but, you know, it was uh, thankful for the season that they had and being able to pull out a winning season and make it into the playoffs and, you know, having a, a home playoff game uh, and being able to witness that, um, you know, and thankful for, you know, being able to experience all that. So, um, you know, hopefully they come back next year and are better and, you know, able to um, make it to the end. So, you know, hope hopefully that happens and everything, but, you know, kind of almost a perfect transition now because, you know, we got the Rolex 24 coming up this Saturday. So like pretty much just flip to the next chapter and just move on to racing just like that. So, um, you know, I'm sure, you know, of course there's still NFL left and everything you've got your team left and everything. So root for that. But, you know, um, as far as racing season goes, you know, right, just jump right into it now. So ready to go on that end. Yeah, the Rolex, which you're going to be attending this weekend, uh, the Rolex 24 at Daytona, the the reintroduction or the return of GTP and nomenclature in uh, sports cars and American sports car racing and prototypes uh, comes this weekend. Nine cars uh, from four manufacturers will uh, take the start at uh, Daytona this weekend. Of course, the GT. D and GTD Pro categories full of talent. You'll have LMP2 and LMP3, which are, I mean, LMP2 definitely has some quality lineups and could be sneaky pick uh, depending on how the reliability is for the GTP cars um, here this weekend. But we'll preview that. We'll go through the entry list, try to kind of pinpoint some people that might have a real chance. I mean, qualifying took place on Sunday. The defending champions of the Rolex 24 and the defending series champion, Meyershank Racing Team, qualified on pole for this race on Saturday. So something to look at. We'll get into that more. NASCAR news today, um, with Jimmy Johnson uh, and his crew, new, new crew chief, somebody that's familiar to a lot of people, people who were listening to MRN last year especially, um, coming over to work for the Legacy Motor Club. And, um, I mean, forgot but before all that, you know, we'll talk about uh, the Jags. We'll talk, I'll talk about the Niners beating the fucking Cowgirls and sending them home and sending Skip Bayless, stupid ass, into a... Uh, and and Michael Irvin and all these other idiot sticks uh, into taking a couple of years off of their life because they couldn't deal with the fact they can't get through 28 years. What is it? 28 years since the the last time they actually um, 27 if you talk real time. But yeah, 27 years since they made a a, a championship game and a Super Bowl. So um, let that continue. For many eons to go, they only could can't happen to a better team than the Dallas Cowgirls. Um, we'll get into the conference championship weekend and all the happenings during this divisional round. And uh, 
things to look at for maybe some of those teams that went out. Uh, coaching news hasn't no major coaching news has gone through yet. No hires, but there are people that are in line possibly for some jobs, but to be determined on that, I think we're going to be waiting at least another week before some of those moves come off. Um, the roundup will go over Sebastian Ogier's dominant performance at Monte Carlo. Uh, yet another win for him there. Uh, Supercross in San Diego, seeing more of the same in recent times with Eli Tomac and Jet Lawrence. Nitro Rallycross was at Trois-Rivières, so we'll uh, get into that. Formula E will come back this weekend uh, in Saudi, so they'll uh, have a double header. And then the Race of Champions, which will be on the snow and ice, so see who's in, in that. Josh will tell us all things going on in the world of iRacing and Sims in his Sim segment, and then we'll close the deal. So, yeah, it's 38th special uh, birthday week for me, so trying to celebrate it best way possible. Um, the Niners started it out really well by uh, getting a W there, and, uh, you know, we got the racing, got the Rolex coming this weekend, so it's always nice to have that. It used to be Super Bowl weekend for years. Uh, then they moved and the Rolex, uh, then they moved that back into February and the Rolex used to be in that general vicinity. They moved that back into January. So now the Rolex is kind of when the Rolex is coming around and the roar, you know, that time is now for, um, for me to go and get older, 19 days younger than old uh, Sir Lewis Hamilton there. And there are plenty of other people who have uh, famous people in January birthdays, but I'll digress. Um, first piece, of course, uh, the, in the NFL, Jacksonville, uh, ended up going to Kansas city and, um, put up a good fight and, uh, they, they had a chance it wasn't the cleanest performance, but in the grand scheme of things, looking at what, where they were, just a year ago and to be to be in a a position to possibly win you know beat the number one seed uh winning or losing only 27 to 20 is uh is a a good i mean good uh performance probably wanted more i figure but hey i mean they got to patrick mahomes now he has a high ankle uh, so that's gonna definitely uh, hamper him as these next few weeks go by his mobility wasn't as good after that um i think the backbreaker really had nothing to do with patrick mahomes and that it was when chad any came into the game and literally drove him down the field that's basically where the game was lost in my opinion but of course josh being the diehard jacksonville fan um i'll give you the floor in terms of what you thought and what you saw from your team uh getting to the playoffs getting a home playoff win going to kansas city and putting up a fight um not many teams have really done that this year two of them were playing uh yesterday uh but otherwise for doug peterson a great job in his first year as head coach of the jaguars and trevor lawrence um rising up to become that stud franchise guy that everybody in in duval nation wanted when they drafted him number one overall yeah i mean i i agree with you there and um you know with jacksonville and their ability to go out and win games and um you know they've 
proved it this season. You know, they were able to come back multiple times and be able to um, win games, uh, even, you know, when they're down by more than one score and, you know, being able to, to do all those things. But um, they were going to have to do it again on uh, Saturday afternoon in Kansas City, but they just, you know, came up just short of you know, being able to do that. And um, you talked about that 98-yard drive to that, you know, Chad Henney led, led them down the field and got a touchdown. Um, I mean, it is kind of a backbreaker, but, I mean, it's not like the ultimate one that lost them the game, really. Because um, if you look at how they played in that that drive for Kansas City, uh, um, wasn't really much of anything that Chad Henney had to do. I mean, he had some pretty easy passes that he made. Um, you could argue that, yeah, probably could have covered better. Um, they did have a, a tip pass that probably should have been intercepted. Uh, but I think, you know, one of the linebackers got in the way and then they, um, you know, and it got in a little, he got in the way of the cornerback and could have been a pick six there, but, um, you know, didn't come up with that one. But at the same time, uh, they, they gave up a 40 yard run there, uh, during that drive. Um, so I think that was part of it there. And, you know, Chad and he didn't really do anything special. He just did what he was asked to do and let him down and got a touchdown. But I mean, they're still in the game and it's still early. So I'm, you know, and I don't really consider that to be a backbreaker, really. But uh, I think you know the real backbreaker came late in the game when they had a chance to go and get a touchdown. And uh, you know, Trevor Lawrence just converted third down uh, and ten by scrambling and lowering his shoulder and to get the first down, and then uh, you know, threw a pass to Jamal Agnew and fumbled the ball on the three yard line. And honestly, it's really debatable if that was even a fumble at all. Um, and you know, surprisingly. Uh, you know, at least from the TV side, you know, they went to commercial and didn't really review it or anything. Um, and then it just didn't feel like um, they gave it enough time for review, uh, you know, from the you know fan perspective, I guess, and um, from the league, I guess. So that is definitely something that you should consider there is, um, you know, how what exactly is a fumble exactly is a catch in the NFL. And, um, you know, that I think that was part of it. But, you know, offensively, they had chances to, you know, do damages. And, um, you know, they had a lot of plays that they kind of left on the table or weren't able to execute. And I think part of it was the interior offensive line for Jacksonville um, just wasn't protecting as well as they needed to. And, you know, they couldn't get um, really any downfield passing going. Uh, Trevor did have a 50-yard uh, or 60-yard bomb that should have been caught by Christian Kirk, but he, uh, just really didn't, uh, you know, hauled in and uh you know i think christian kirk had a chance there to you know put it in the end zone or you know be in the five yard line and you know possibly get a, a touchdown there so i mean they still got down the field and got a field goal but you know it'd been a hell of a lot easier to get a score uh with a touchdown if they had converted on that catch but you know it is what it is so uh you know you have that uh that could have been uh a play you know you have that the fumble um and then you know the 90 yard or 98-yard touchdown uh, in the second quarter for uh, Chad Henney. So, um, you know, unfortunately for Jags, uh, they go home. But, you know, it, um, they'll have, I think they'll be back next year. There'll be more opportunities next year um, and beyond. You know, I think they got the head coach and they got the, the quarterback. So I don't think you have to really worry about that anymore. And it's just being able to uh, find the next set of guys uh, in the draft and in uh, free agency to be able to um, – you know, get the uh, pieces together to possibly make a Super Bowl run. Um, obviously, nobody expected that this year, and I mean, don't even didn't even expect the playoffs. But you know, shows you know them being able to make the playoffs this year and 
get to this point shows that they made a, a lot of progress and um you know they have the ability to go even further with more pieces around them next season so uh we'll see what happens of course they get uh calvin ridley uh soon i mean as soon as he gets reinstated and then they'll be able to work together and get chemistry and everything and uh with him and trevor lawrence and you know we'll see what they're able to achieve next season and you know if um they you know upgrade certain positions you know i think um slot corner uh think interior offensive line um you know i think um maybe tight end like a second tight end a second running back uh i think those are positions to uh possibly improve so we'll see you know what they're able to do from there um but you know incredible season for jaguars and uh, incredible year you know after five years of losing um you know and then being able to be in this position you know can't really ask for more than that and uh certainly uh, a lot of fun probably probably the most fun I've ever had as a fan. Um, just, uh, being able to see them, uh, come back like that, you know, from multiple games and, um, just have a, you know, a real franchise quarterback this time and, you know, being able to see him grow and develop throughout the year. So, uh, just, you know, real thankful for that. And, you know, it, it, it doesn't hurt as much as the, uh, you know, the AFC championship loss to the Patriots five years ago, which actually was five years to the day, uh, January 21, 2018, and then January 21, uh, 2023. So literally five years to the day uh, that they lost to the Patriots, they lose to the number one uh, seed this year in the NFL, the Chiefs. Uh, but, you know, it is what it is. And, you know, that that team, you know, they had in 2017, they had, um, you know, really one, one opportunity to do it and go to the Super Bowl, and, you know, they weren't able to. And, um, you know, whatever reason and um just knew that you know that year it hurt because you know they got so close um and uh you know they of course the refs in that game ha had a lot more influence in that game uh with calls against the jaguars but then also you know it's just really hard to have that type of dominating year on defense in 2017 and um you know be able to uh, repeat that again and go to the playoffs and uh, you know with the type of offense that they have so you know it's going to be really hard to do that and that's why you know that one hurt but you know this one still hurts but you know and I know that um, they'll be able to um, have more opportunities like that in uh, the next couple of years uh, because um, they got the coach and they got the quarterback so um, you know I think that's the difference there and there's, you know, a lot of, a lot of hope, even though it hurts, there's a lot of hope and, you know, there's a lot of uh, opportunity going forward. So, um, you know, we'll just have to wait and see and, um, you know, really just, uh, wish, wish I could see him on TV again next weekend, but, you know, have to wait until September, um, uh, for the regular season, you know, August for preseason, whatever. So we'll see. But, you know, one thing I will say is, um, you know, Chris Collinsworth, you know, pretty sure his knees were probably sore after that game you know maybe nbc maybe they had to give him an extra couple extra napkins you know after finishing that game because you know, he was giving patrick mahomes a lot of praise there and everything maybe maybe i might have to hit up uh, monica lewinsky and ask for some tips on you know how to uh you hey know now. do a better job so um yeah yeah i'm laying the heat there because you know uh, um really disappointing here them just suck off patrick mahomes like that the entire game and um you know i was hoping, you know, the Jags would be on prime time and, you know, this year and they were, but, you know, now that we've seen them with NBC and everything, I'm like, you know, fuck you, NBC. Uh, I'd rather have the third rate CBS crew that, you know, has been covering the Jags the last, you know, five years, six years, uh, cover them every week. And um, at least they, you know, talk about them positively, or at least, you know, non-biased against the other team, I guess, whatever. So, um, you yeah, know, didn't really like that. So, you know, I mean, 
Chris Collinsworth was able to somehow praise Patrick Mahomes during a Trevor Lawrence play um, somehow. So, uh, I mean, I think it was one of the plays Trevor just had kind of a Patrick Mahomes type play, and then he just made it all about Mahomes instead of crediting Trevor. So um, that was one thing that stuck out to me throughout that game, but, you know, from the commentary side. But, you know, that's it is what it is. But, you know, again, thankful for the year and, you know, just uh, hope uh, we're able to get back to this point and, you know, be able to get further than the divisional round next year. Yeah. And the potential is there. The division is ripe. Honestly, Tennessee is in flux. They don't really have a lot of, they're missing a lot of weapons on offense. They have issues with their line. They have issues at quarterback. They basically have Derrick Henry and that's it. Uh, defense, whatever there, there. So there's a lot of uh, flux there. Houston's going to be the number one overall pick, uh, and uh, they're going to be picking a rookie, have a rookie QB. So they're nowhere close. And then um, Indianapolis is also dumpster fire. Uh, they're going to get another quarterback since Andrew Luck retired. So, I mean, as it stands right now, on on just the face value paper, Jacksonville is, is in the driver's seat in that division at least for a year, maybe a couple, two, three years, as long as Trevor's un, under Trevor's rookie contract is a good time to make some things happen. Uh, will Trent Balky actually do what he needs to do to make that happen? He fucked it up with uh, Alex Smith. He definitely fucked it up with Colin Kaepernick because he hated Jim Harbaugh. Um, will, he, will he go and allow... Uh, Doug Peterson to do what he needs to do and give him the pieces he needs. I think Calvin Ridley coming back from his, you know, gambling deal and the long hiatus, he's somebody that could really change the whole entire dynamic of that offense. Christian Kirk kind of can be put, they can start switching him around. You have Zay Jones gets into a slot position where with the speed and his, he's lanky, he can go up the middle you can have you can have four wide receiver sets. You can go and have different spread option looks. You have um, ETN hopefully getting a backup running back to give him a rest so he doesn't go and wear down and get hurt. There's definitely a lot of hope in Jacksonville, so it's a good thing to see for sure. Uh, for the 49ers, a game of the everyone was uh, plenty of people were talking about it because of course it's Niners and Cowboys and the Niners end up winning 19 to 12. And, uh, I mean, it was pretty straightforward, a lot of field goals, two of the best defenses in the NFL. And you saw that because, uh, literally both teams scored one touchdown apiece, And, um, otherwise it was field goals, uh, Dallas with Brett Maher shanked, uh, or he was going to shank an extra point, but it got blocked. So they were only up six, nothing. And, uh, early Dallas was able to drive. It seemed at will. For more, most drives, but then Dak Prescott, of course, became Dak Prescott, and he threw bad picks. Um, Lenore gets that pick in the red zone, but Dallas saves that and holds them to a uh, holds them to a field goal. Then, uh, and that was that, so that was the first points of the game, and then Dallas answered with that uh, seventy nine yard drive. At, after that, the Niners go and get another field goal to be down or tie at six, and then another pick, another field goal, nine seven at halftime for the 49ers. Gould uh, made from 50, 47, and 26. 
Brock Purdy did struggle. There was issues with pass protection all day. Uh, Christian McCaffrey was dealing with a calf injury, so he wasn't as effective as he has been for the last three, better part of the last three months. Um, Elijah Mitchell, though, came in and was running hard, made one kind of bonehead error that could have been a problem, but it didn't because the the Dallas Cowboys lined up in a in a formation that might have been worse than the Indianapolis Colts fake punt formation that Pat McAfee was a part of and he talked about on his show today. It's like we found the 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 team in the for special teams or whatever, and not even special teams, but we found someone who did a worse play call and scheme for a final play or I mean whoever it was, it was literally a center it was the center and and Dak Prescott, and I think there might have been Ezekiel Elliott and his two point five yards of carry back there. And whoever was right on that center just got absolutely baptized and murdered. And then he Prescott was basically done at that point. He dumped off to Turpin, and Turpin got killed too. So that was the end of the game. Uh, Brett Maher, for all those people who were worried about him, he did make a field goal in the third quarter. To make it, uh, what is it, 9-7? It was 10-9 at that point. So Dallas did have the lead, uh, you know, 6, wait, yeah, you know, 6 and, yeah, 3-9. Oh, no, it was actually 9-9, right? Yeah, yeah, 9, they were tied. And then uh, uh, after that, the big, big drive was in the fourth quarter. McCaffrey did score that touchdown, uh, 6 minutes, and that basically was the game. At that, that made it was it sixteen to nine, and then um, it, uh, Maher got a forty-three yarder to make it sixteen twelve. Robbie Gould gets the last uh, field goal there to make it nineteen twelve, and we see that uh, final score. I mean, the it wasn't a pretty game by any stretch in terms of if you wanted a lot of offense. If you like defense, it was great. Um, that definitely was a great game for that. Prescott uh, threw two picks. Um, running game was basically non-existent. Tony Pollard got jacked up, uh, broke his le- left leg, and has a ankle, high ankle. So for people in fantasy, and then now he's going in a free agency. Um, that's a big uh, loss there. C.D. Lamb had ten catches for 117 yards, so he definitely showed up. Schultz got that one touchdown. Um, otherwise, there was really nothing um, in terms of defense. Uh, trying to go through here how many tackles. Micah Parsons, I'm trying to look for what he had. He had one tackle and three assists uh, yesterday for a guy who everyone talks about. Like, oh, he's going to be the player, defensive player of the year. Well, no. Um, he did play well, and he was a menace, but in the grand scheme of things, he wasn't as big of a factor as Bosa was. Uh, Niners had to fade uh, Ray Ray McLeod uh, fumble there. And and they only they only gave up three points in that spot too, so that was huge. Um, the turnovers really didn't make a huge difference, ironically. But in the end, Brock Purdy, nineteen to twenty nine, two hundred fourteen yards. He made those plays. The play that everyone has seen probably on the replays is George Kittle bobbling the thing, bobbling the ball, catching it, and going and marking out and doing like WWE bits with his eyes and whatever, going nuts. Uh, proving yet again why he is one of, if not the best tight end in the NFL, because he always seems to make those kind of plays. 
So Kittle had uh, 95, 5 for 95. Uh, Debo only had, what is it, 56 yards on uh, eight, eight, uh, eight reps there. Uh, what do you call um, Christian McCaffrey only had 35 yards on 10 carries, but he had the touchdown. Mitchell, 51 yards. And then uh, let's see, Fred Warner and Diamador. Yeah, I was trying to figure out what Jason McCourty was saying today. And when he was saying his name, I'm like, there's no way that's his name. He's completely butchering his name. But in the end, he actually was right. Um, Diamador, Lenore, uh, both of them got those picks. Jamie Ward had two pass deflections. Uh, Fred Warner had seven tackles and two assists, tackle assists. Nick Bosa had two tackles. So in the end, basically, for getting into the whole semantics of who's the better player, who made a bigger difference, I think Nick Bosa um, made a made a big difference in terms of his pass rush too, to Dak Prescott making some of those bad plays. Robbie Gold going and getting four field goals, showing once again why he's one of the best kickers in the league. Now, now the Niners have to go and face the Philadelphia Eagles, the number one seed the um per basically the best team in the NFC for a lot of the year and um their fans are obviously very cocky and believe that they're going to win going away which is nice um they can think that um they really didn't have any resistance playing the giants that game was basically over when they kicked the ball off uh 38 to 7 giants getting there from what they were what the roster is and to go in advance to this divisional round, great uh, job by them. A lot of decisions have to be made in terms of big players, specifically Saquon Barkley and Daniel Jones. But the Eagles had them outmatched. Uh, the pass, pr- the pressure that the Eagles send with their defensive line, they sign guys off the uh, retirement line, and so it's just constant pressure, something that we'll see how Brock Purdy can handle it. Being on the road in a hostile environment going to be something to look at for sure. And then the other game was the Bills hosting the Bengals. Everyone was talking about the neutral site. Frankly, the Bengals should also be in that position to have a neutral site uh, because they also were affected. But Joe Burrow um, had that BD energy and basically dominated that game, uh, whatever he wanted to do, he could. Three three replacement offensive linemen, and they were able to dominate that Buffalo front four, front seven, whatever, and uh, basically own the game. They won the they won the game in the trenches. They also won the game just because Joe Burrow played really damn good, and it didn't seem that hard for him. Um, he loves being on the road. He, he gets off on this whole chip. He's got this chip on his shoulder deal. Nobody talks about me crap, which that's a lie. I think a lot of us do know what Joe Burrow's doing. Uh, he is, I I really get a kick. I usually wouldn't be uh, into cocky MFers, but this guy, he does it. You know, like he, he just does it. And it, it it's it's just a con, the, there's a confidence to the dude. You know, you're walking he's in. He's cool. Yeah. He's walking in. His junk is walking in a half hour before he does. I mean, that's the whole point. That's the kind of guy he is. And so when you're when you're talking about somebody who can do all those things and uh, this makeshift offensive line, going to Buffalo, snow, you had DeMar Hamlin in there, all that energy, 
Josh Allen, rough, rough performance. Um, read something earlier on, on Yahoo Sports about how all the big um, holes and things that were that it did exist with the the Buffalo Bills were exposed yet again uh, yesterday. And there is a lot of things to correct, a lot of things to fix, even though they're a really good team. Um, Josh Allen, it became too much a hero ball for Josh Allen and having to throw to Stefan Diggs and nobody else. And that's not really a way to win, especially in January and February. Josh, you got something on, on I mean, Josh they're Allen. a dome team. The The Bills are a dome team. That's, that's what I'll say. Um, I mean, it's crazy that you're in snow and you can't run the ball. Like you should be able to run the ball in heavy snow, and they couldn't run the ball, and they haven't been able to. Yeah, they. That, but I'll also say that they've, even with uh, with uh, Dable as the offensive coordinator, they weren't exactly the most prolific running team anyway. Which I think is a. It's I give I I, I agree to an extent. How can you have? those elements in that stadium, that band box of a stadium, and you can't run the effing ball. Thurman Thomas is a Hall of Famer. They literally built the freaking team on Jim Kelly, Thurman Thomas, and Andre Reed back in the day. That was what it was. But then they had other wide receivers. They had tight ends, Metzlars, and all that. They had great offensive line. They have issues on the interior on both sides. They have no running game like Josh mentioned. You don't have a second target at wide receiver that really is reliable. Uh, Gabe Davis has had a couple of big games, but otherwise he's been a ghost. Um, McKenzie is not reliable. Um, they had the one guy, I, I think, um, I'm forgetting what his name, number 10, uh, that came in here uh, last few weeks, and he there might be some potential there. Beasley is a Band-Aid. He ain't going to be around. Uh, you know, Dawson Knox will have days where he actually can get a couple touchdowns and then he'll go and put up a donut. So what does that say about your offense? You know, Ken Dorsey in his first year as a offensive coordinator, uh, guy who won a national championship as a quarterback for Miami, played in the NFL, of course, one of about 84 different quarterbacks that started for the Niners uh, back in the day when they were a total dumpster fire. Um, but his game plan was a dumpster fire. Uh in general, yesterday, now you need to take the ball out of Joe Burrow's hands. You have to keep him off the freaking field because he was able to kind of just do whatever he wanted. He wanted to throw to Jamar Chase. I mean, I always joke around that he'll throw to Jamar Chase if the whole entire team is covering him. He would do it anyway because that's just how he, he trusts him. But you have T. Higgins. He's getting his, you know, Tyler Boyd. That is, you have three legitimate wide receivers that, I mean, the, the, those two, big two, of course, are number ones. And then Tyler Boyd, definite number two receiver with potential, depending on where you go, kind of in the same ilk as uh, you have, Josh, with Christian Kirk at the moment, but that's going to change. The dynamic will change um, with Ridley as long as he comes back to be some semblance of what he was um, in Atlanta. The fact is you have three wide receivers and then, oh, Hayden Hurst. Hayden Hurst, is ain't, he ain't, uh, you can't no-sell him. He shows up. He knows how to make plays. And, uh, I mean, the running game, uh, Mixon, solid, Pirine. So they have a lot of, ba- they have the right balance, and they're able to kind of dictate 
And Joe Burrow, if there's one person that ain't afraid of Kermit the Frog, it's Joe Burrow. He went in Arrowhead, beat him last year, and they were ahead in the Super Bowl too. So the notion that Joe Burrow's afraid, he's not been afraid of for ever since he transferred to LSU, he's not been afraid. I mean, the only bad thing that's happened, of course, was that injury, the knee, the ACL in his rookie year. But since then, he's free rolling. And what's scary for the AFC, then AFC North, Baltimore doesn't know what they really want. I think they're going to sign back uh, Lamar Jackson, but they need a new offensive coordinator. They don't have They have never had a wide receiver. Um, they do have Mark Andrews, but he gets hurt at least four weeks a year. He's always out for at least four weeks. Um, they have some issues on the line. They don't know which running back they want. Dobbins, I think, is their main guy with Gus Edwards, probably that balance. But Pittsburgh is on the up swing, but they do have holes. They have do things they have to correct. And I mean, Cleveland, who gives a fuck? Um, but the other, but the thing is, if you're Pittsburgh or you're Baltimore, and you're gonna have to fight Burrow. That's a problem. I mean, de- granted, he's had his issues with Cleveland. He's definitely had his issues with Baltimore. But they, they're they only getting better. That's what's crazy about it. And they're going to break them off here in the whenever their season ends. They're going to break them off. They have to because there will be a mutiny in Cincinnati if they don't pay him. Um, can you imagine if since that would be the most Cincinnati Bengals thing ever, you let you let the a hometown kid go because you're too cheap, but I don't think they can do that. I think they'll take care of that, but um, we'll see what he's able to do. I mean, I guess we talk about this now before we move forward, Josh. Uh, the first game, of course, is the NFC Championship game. Niners will be traveling to Philadelphia. Brock Purdy still um, has uh, uh, he's he's won every game he started. The Niners haven't lost in. Over three months, the Philadelphia Eagles, I think, started 13-0 and or 14-0 and or some crap like that. I think it was 13-0, and and then they lost to the Washington General Redskin Commanders on Monday Night Football. And then from there, it kind of just went away largely because um, Jalen Hurts got hurt and um, they couldn't play him. Granted, um was the name Gardner Minshew did a good enough job for them to win against Dallas just was a shootout. It didn't work out. And then the second game, I don't think he really played that great. Um, unless I'm mixing up the fact they're playing the giants. That was when the giants had their third string players out there. Cause they didn't care. But uh, Philly has been a absolute ball hawking team, tons of pressure. They play with a lot of big name guys that the, the two key players that were there for the super bowl, Brandon Graham on the defensive side, who uh, who made uh, one of the game-changing plays in that Super Bowl. And, of course, Jason Kelsey on the offensive line, uh, probably theoretically the best offensive line in the NFL. He is a leader, and um, I think the NFL wants the Kelsey Bowl. Uh, they want to have Travis versus Jason, even though it has nothing to do. They're not going to play each other, but they want the Kelsey Bowl. They want the the Andrew Ryad going against his old team. That's what the NFL wants. But um, personally, and my bias kicking in here, the 49ers are not going to just roll over and play dead. Uh, they did early in the season. Um, they did against Kansas City and got boat raced in their own house. That's the last time they lost. It was in October and um, somewhere in October there. So the the notion is... 
the Niners are dynamic. They have one of the be- they have the best defense in the NFL. Um, yes, their pass defense is suspect. Which, when you consider AJ Brown, you consider Devontae Smith, Dallas Goddard. They're all players that can make a, that are game breaking type of players. But also the front seven, but especially Nick Bosa and Fred Warner and Dre Greenlaw. They all have bad intentions, and they they're wanting to take people's heads off. And um, you have Hufanga, who's a hitter. You have Jimmy Ward, who's a hitter. I think the Eagles are more of a finesse team outside of AJ Brown, really. And a uh, couple of big hits will probably go and and uh, set a trend there. Um, I feel like the Niners, and it's my bias, whatever. I feel like the Niners are going to win uh, by a field goal, 27-24 and advance to the Super Bowl in Glendale. But it will be a tight game. Brock Purdy's going to have to play um, better than he has in the first half of both of his playoff starts so far. Um, and if he can do that, then they definitely will, uh, I would think, would win and win with relative ease and go to uh, Glendale for the Super Bowl. But what are your thoughts, Josh, on the NFC Championship game? I mean, I think it's going to be a defensive game, personally. Um you know, based on how uh, the 49ers defense is, I, I think they're going to be a good matchup against the Philadelphia Eagles and their, you know, running base attack. Uh, I think, you know, if they can stop the run pretty well, I think, you know, it's going to give Jalen Hurts some problems in, uh, you know, in his game. But uh, we'll see what happens. And, you know, I think Brock Purdy um, is going to have a real challenge against the Eagles defense. But, uh, you know, he's got a ton of weapons, uh, you know, with McCaffrey, uh, George Kittle, Debo Samuel, um, even Brandon Uick to an extent. Uh, so he's going to have a, a ton of weapons to be able to rely on in that game. So I think it's going to be a pretty tight uh, defensive game. And I think, you know, it's going to come down to, uh, you know, a final touchdown or final field goal for, uh, and I'll, I'll go the 49ers here. I think, I think they'll be able to do it. And I think it's just the, uh, experience in the championship game that uh, you know that the coach Kyle Shan- Shanahan has against uh, N- Nick Sirianni, so I think uh, that's going to be an advantage. You know, having been there before, and um, you know a lot of the players on the 49ers, they've been there in that position. They were there last year. They were there three years ago in 2019. Uh, you know, and then you know go back to uh, you know previous. You know, I mean, those are the three years or two years that they made the playoffs. So. Um, you know, he, he's had that position before. So I think you'll be able to rely on that experience and get them into the, uh, the Super Bowl. So, um, yeah, I think it'll be a, be a pretty entertaining game to watch. And, uh, I think, uh, 49ers are going to be the ones that can pull it out on the road. I mean, I, I mean, it's going to be tough for sure. I agree. Um, it will be tight. It should be, uh, two best teams in the NFC and it should be a tight game. And uh, the presumptive MVP prior to his injury, Jalen Hurts, um, this is his spot. It's kind of a way for him to go and exorcise the demons of being benched when he was at Alabama for um, Tua. If he can go and win this and go to Arizona and uh, win the Super Bowl, he can fade that that moment i mean hell he went to oklahoma and contended for a national championship and also a uh, heisman trophy but he wasn't he was a different player when he went to oklahoma uh the afc championship game though we already started talking about that 
Joe Burrow. It's a rematch of last year's AFC Championship game. Uh, honestly, think they should add that in a neutral site as well, but they only did that under the pretense of Kansas City Buffalo. They had already sold fifty thousand tickets for at Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta for the game. So it was going to be a big uh, a money maker for Arthur Blank and the Falcons organization, but alas, they didn't. Buffalo didn't make it. So Cincinnati travels to KC, a lot of confidence uh, from the likes of Jesse Bates already. Uh, the notion is, uh, what do you call, Joe Burrow has never lost on the road in his uh, playoff career. Most wins at this age for in the playoffs or something on like he's breaking all kinds of records and he's literally one of the only people who really isn't afraid Kermit the Frog. But in the end, Kermit the Frog's gonna be the MVP for a second time. The last time he won MVP was 2019, of course, it was his second year in the league, first year as a starter. This time, a lot of it's a lot different. Uh, Rin talks about no Tyree Kill. Well, that obviously doesn't matter. Uh, he has a running game now for like a real running game with Rutgers uh, product Isaiah Pacheco being the, like the actual downhill runner. And then they have former Niner Jarek McKinnon out there as a pass catcher. You have all these wide receivers, Juju Smith-Schuster and uh, Valdez Gantling and uh, Sky Moore and et cetera, et cetera. Of course, the whole the straw that stirs a drink is Travis Kelsey. So um, what will Cincinnati do? Will Logan Wilson shadow uh, Travis Kelsey? What are they going to do to take him, try to take him away? I mean, it's almost impossible. You can't really take him away. But uh, I mean, I I mean, I personally, I want to see Cincinnati win because it would be a rematch of two previous Super Bowls that took place in the 80s and were both good games uh, in 80, what is it, 81, which was in Detroit, and then 88, which I think was in Miami, um, or I feel like it was in Florida, uh, Tampa or Miami, one of those. Um, and uh, Boomer was doing the I'm going to Disney World commercial while Joe Montana was driving the team down the field and um, and getting that getting that Super Bowl. Uh, probably, I think it's Tampa. I feel like it's Tampa, but um, because Miami is where the Niners won the Super Bowl uh, tomorrow. Because we're doing this on Monday, it's the twenty fourth. It was January twenty fourth, nineteen ninety five, when uh, Steve Young uh, set the Super Bowl record for six touchdown passes against the San Diego Chargers in Miami uh, to win that Super Bowl forty nine to twenty six and take that monkey off his back. Um, but I mean, in the end, what is Patrick Mahomes' ankle going to be like? Is he going to be able to move? If he's not able to move, it makes him a little bit more vulnerable than he would be generally because part of his Houdini act that he does is because he's able, he's his athleticism and ability to move the pocket, move out, go and run, do weird shit, and then go and throw the ball sideways or throw the ball like a shot put or go and throw it over his shoulder or whatever the fuck he's going to do. But if he's not able to run on that left side, you know that the Cincinnati Bengals are going to be trying to go and tackle him and, and trying to go and aggravate that injury um, and, and try to get him uncomfortable. Uh, the notion that he would be uncomfortable and he just seems like a maestro 
who knows. But he's also having to fade the fact that for the first time really in his his kingdom or fiefdom of uh, being the 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 face of the NFL, he knows there's somebody that really isn't scared of him. And uh, Joe Burrow ain't scared of him or anybody. Uh, I think that Cincinnati wins that game um, and they win 31-27 and get back to the Super Bowl, back-to-back Super Bowls. And, and it would be the Niners and Cincinnati. Um, be an interesting game for sure. Um, how about you, Josh? What are you looking at for the AFC Championship? I mean, you've already talked about it a lot, but you know, even though the Kansas City Chiefs won, I actually think their season might have ended uh, because of Patrick Mahomes' injury. Uh, I mean, the high ankle sprain is pretty serious. Uh, he was able, you know, to play on the injury in the moment uh, against the Jaguars, but uh, you know, I think after the adrenaline wears off and after the painkillers wear off, it's going to be a pretty tough. Uh, battle this week to be able to play i think he does play but you know it's going to really severely limit his ability to you know make make good throws and make throws under pressure and i mean he made a lot of throws under pressure in the game against the jaguars but um you know he also had some pretty big misses uh and you know had had trouble with handoffs and uh certain other plays uh uh, being you know being able not being able to stand on uh, the right ankle, so uh, it's going to be interesting to see uh, how he handles the injury throughout the week, and you know how much playing time and you know what type of offense the uh, Chiefs bring out. But I think the Bengals, you know, they were able to really dominate on defense with uh, their defensive line uh, on you know on on Sunday against the Bills. So I think they can you know bring that pressure against. Uh, Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs and um, you know I think the Chiefs are you know or the Bengals are the Chiefs kryptonite so I think the Bengals are going to be able to pull this one out uh, on the road be a repeat of last year's AFC championship game and think the Bengals uh, end up you know being able to uh, go back to the Super Bowl and yeah be a rematch of the Super Bowl from the 1980s so uh, yeah I think um, it'd be an interesting deal there Um, I think the offensive line for you know, for the Bengals, even though they're injured, you know, they did a good job against uh, the Bills, and I think they are capable of doing that same performance. Uh, and plus, uh, you know, you've got a two hundred or two-headed monster in running uh, with uh, uh, Joe Mixon and P. Ryan in the backfield. Uh, plus, you know, you got T. Higgins, Jamar Chase, and uh, oh, I forgot. I can't believe I forgot the other guy's name. Their tight end. Uh, uh, Hayden Hurst. Well, yeah, Hayden Hurst. There, yeah, they got him as well so uh you know they've they've got a, a lot of weapons on offense for the the Bengals, but you know for the chiefs you know tyler Pacheco is also pretty good um you know he's a really really fast runner and knows how to run with power of course he also got to stop kelsey on there on defense so that's gonna be interesting and um you know uh, smith schuster's um there he's still got some speed uh Kadarius tony they traded for him um i mean he's hadn't really produced a whole lot of yards but i mean when he has touches he's been uh pretty effective so uh i think that's something you gotta uh, look out for on uh defensive for the bengals but uh it's gonna be a pretty tight game but yeah i think at the end of the day i think the bengals come in to uh arrowhead and they come out with the w so we're on we're both picked the same teams of both sides niners cincinnati um the nfl and a lot of entities want it to go the other way we will see what happens, and we'll be back on next week on episode 154 to see who is going to the Super Bowl. 
Uh, and we'll talk about that and talk about both those games for sure. Now, uh, moving on to the big race, of course, this weekend, the Rolex 24 at Daytona. Uh, they had qualifying per the uh, Rolex already, uh, which saw Tom Blomquist uh, qualify his Meyer Shank Racing uh, Acura on the pole with a time of 134.031, speed of 136.295 miles an hour, uh, wins the pole over Matt Campbell, Felipe Nazar, who qualified the car, and Michael Christensen by 8.83 thousandths of a second. Ricky Taylor qualified the Konica Minolta Acura, so two Acuras in the top three, and then the three Cadillacs, the two Ganassi cars, the 01, the 02, and then the Wheel and Engineering 31, Bourdais, Alex Lynn, Pippo Durrani, the BMW Ray Hall cars, Philip Eng, and then Nick Yaloy, 7th and 8th, and then issues for the number 6, Porsche of uh, Matthew Jaminet, Nick Tandy, and Dane Cameron didn't qualify, so they'll start ninth in class. But, of course, there's plenty of time, and it is 24 hours. In the LMP2 category, the 52 PR1 Matheson car of Ben Keating, who did qualify the car, ended up on pole by 1.2 seconds, 1.21 seconds over uh, Hariu, Hariu, whatever, uh, Guido Vandergarda, Josh Pearson, Job Van Oetert, and the TDS number 35. The other TDS car, the number 11, with Seth Thomas, Michael Jensen, Scott Huffaker, and Renus VK uh, is third. AF Corsa uh, is fourth with Parado qualifying. George Kurtz in the CrowdStrike racing by APR number 04 with Ben Hanley and Matt McMurray fifth. Eric Lux uh, qualified the Rick Ware racing number 51. Um, he'll have, of course, his teammate for the full season, Pietro Fittipaldi, uh, Daytona 500, defending Daytona 500 champion Austin Sindrick, and Devlin DeFrancesco, who won this race last year in the LMP2 category. Dennis Anderson for high class, uh, qualified seventh. Dwight Merriman uh, with Ryan Dial, Era Motorsport, they're contenders all year. Uh, they um, are eighth. And then ninth is John Ferrano. Kiffin Simpson, and then the Bus Bros, Scott McLaughlin, Joseph Newgarden for Tower Motorsports, and then Portad um, in the and Jimmy Bruni in the Proton number fifty-five round out the LMP two. So they will. Um, that's the first nineteen cars in the field, I think, essentially. Or I don't know if they're going to go and line it up full on by time because then I think they line it up by they go and have it a staggered start anyways but the um sean creech motorsports Liger of uh barbosa uh, pino qualified 143.197 the time 124.189 miles an hour uh, keating's time was 140.541 to 127.47 miles an hour so out of curiosity they're giving up about nine based on pole time they're giving up nine nearly nine miles an hour to the pole speed and six seconds but there's reliability with all those orica cars so that might play a role there uh 
in LMP3, I mentioned the 33, the Andretti Auto Sport Car, uh, Jared Andretti, Gabby Chavez, Rasmus Lind, uh, Dickerson qualified it, was only 1100s off pole, performance tech number 38, they're waiting on their Porsche uh, 963, but they'll be running in LMP3 uh, until that car comes, and um, they are third, De Oliveira for MRS GT Racing, fourth, Carl Robinson, uh, Van Burlo, Fraga, the Riley Motorsports 74, fifth, former winner of this race, former winner of the championship, etc. Um, Mason Filippi, Bechtel Scheimer, Mars for the JDC Miller Motorsports. That's the other um that's the other car that they think they're I mixed it up. They're the ones that are waiting on the um the Porsche 963. I don't know performance tech also. I, I'm not sure I'm mixing it up probably. Uh yeah, so there's nine cars in that uh field there. Was it five Liges and four Duquesnes? In GTD Pro, the pulse time was 146.784, 120.018 for the WeatherTech Mercedes AMG. Uh, Cooper McNeil's one run this year uh, will uh, be with uh, Mercedes factory drivers, Daniel Juncadella, Jules Gunyan, and Mauro Engel, who qualified the car. Uh, won the pole over the defending uh, champions of, I think, the um, Sprint Cup Harder Racing Team by four hundreds, uh, 41 thousandths of a second. The Aston Martin, Ross Gunn, Riberas. Uh, the Vassar Sullivan Lexus was third. Barnacote qualified. Hawksworth and Conway, both former IndyCar drivers. Conway, of course, won an IndyCar. Now is a Toyota factory driver. Won Le Mans. Antonio Garcia, Jordan Taylor, Tommy Milner, and the number three, uh, Corvette, fourth, the TGM TF Sport Aston, Owen Trinkler, the Plum, Plum's uh, father and son, and your fifth, Calderari, Calderelli, or Calderelli, Bertolotti, Jordan Pepper, and Roman Grosjean, and the Lamborghini Huracan, sixth, Bill Oberlin, uh, with Bruno Spengler and John Edwards, uh, Turner Motorsport moving one of their cars to the pro category. They're seventh defending uh, the full season champion, FAF Motorsports, new drivers, uh, Bockler, Patrick Pile, and Lawrence Vantor, who qualified the car. And then the Ferrari of um, uh, the Risi Competizione Ferrari, Daniel Serra, Per Guidi, Collado, Rigon, the guys who run in, um, uh, most of them are running in the World Endurance Championship. The biggest uh, field is the 24 cars of uh, GTD, making up the 61-car field. The Windward Racing, number 57, Mercedes, on the pole by just over two-tenths, 146.093, 120.799 miles an hour. Russell Ward, Philip Ellis, Lucas Auer. The last entry in the field, the Sun Energy Mercedes of Kenny Habel, uh, gets the second starting position. Mike Skeen, who was in championship contention until he got the vid last year with Kenton Koch, a Grenier who qualified the car, and Maximilian Goetz, and the Korthoff Motorsports Mercedes is third. The Racer's Edge Acura with uh, Wayne Taylor Racing, uh, which has Kyle Marcelli qualified, Ryan Briscoe. They uh, 
start fourth. The Gradient Racing Acura, which has uh, uh, Sheena Monk, who's um, nice to look at. Catherine Legg, they're going to be the full-time drivers in that car. Uh, Mario Farnbacher and Mark Miller are the um, other drivers for this weekend. The Inception McLaren, uh, sixth. The Harder Racing Aston, seventh. Roman DeAngelis, Marco Sorensen, Ian James, Darren Turner. Uh, the Vassar Sullivan Lexus with Aaron Tielitz. You have Monte Calvo, Kyle Kirkwood, and uh, Parker Thompson. So really solid lineup there. Um, the 47 Ferrari, Ale- Alessandro Balzan, Antonio Fuco uh, amongst their driver lineup. Uh, the Iron Links uh, Lamborghini, Frank Pereira qualified. Uh, the Paul Miller Racing BMW with Madison Snow. 11th, the Jersey guys there, Brian Sellers, Madison Snow, Corey Lewis, Maxime Martin, um, the uh, GTD category, uh, Turner Motorsport, BMW, Robbie Foley, Dynan, Klingman, and Patrick Gallagher, the Magnus Racing Team with John Potter, of course, the owner, Andy Lally, Spencer Pump Alley, and Nikki Team, their Aston Martin. Wright Motorsports, who has been a contender for many years in this category. Hardwick Halen, who qualified the car, Zachary Robichon. Uh The Iron Dames Lamborghini with the ladies, four ladies, Frey, Bovi, Gatting, and Pin, uh, or Peen probably. Uh, Rahel Frey qualified the car 15th. The other, another Lamborghini, Misha Goikberg, uh, qualified 16th. Then uh, AF Corsa Ferrari, Miguel Molina, Perez, Kompanank, uh, they're in 17th. Kevin Estra in the right motorsports, a second right motorsports Porsche. Trent Hinman then uh, going down with the Kelly Moss Porsches of uh, Joran Bleekemolen, the 92, Andrew Davis there. Uh, Ann Lauer, Kay Van Berlow won in uh, LMP3 last year with the Riley team. So the two Kelly Moss Riley Porsches, 92 and 91. Uh, the AL Racing Porsche with Sebastian Prio, Gunnar Jeanette, and Harry Tinknell. Three Triasari Competizioni. I have no idea who any of those people are. Um, the 53 MDK Motorsports Porsche, which has Jan Magnussen, supposed to have Kevin, but uh, he had to get surgery on his wrist. So he's out. Uh, Mark Vami and Jan Magnussen, the main players there. Don Yout in the NTE Sport Lamborghini rounds out the field. Con Wright, Lee, and Alessandro Dolita, who's not known for his uh, driving quality. So that's uh, that is the qualifying. That's by class. So we know I'm not sure what the how they'll line them up, but 61 cars in this field. Now I mentioned the nine prototypes. You'd been, I mean, the Hondas, the Acuras have been really good in recent years. Porsche, Penske Motorsports has the most testing amongst any of these manufacturers. The Cadillacs sound great. Uh, you know, they sound like what a cup car should sound like. And uh, their driver lineups are all strong. The notion is that I would say that it's amongst that those seven. Um, BMW, the BMW team with Ray Hall, Letterman, Lanigan, is the um, dark horse, in my opinion. Uh, great driver lineups, of course, but uh, are they going to have the reliability? Are they going to be able to have the speed? Qualifying showed they really didn't have the one-lap speed. Maybe they have 
the speed in, in race trim. Uh, but we will see about that, what weather conditions come up here uh, this coming weekend. In LMP2, you got 10 cars. Uh, I mean, the 52 is probably a strong choice because they were winning. They won the Endurance Cup last year. Ben Keating uh, is going between this car, and now he's also going to be driving for Corvette Racing this year in uh, the GT AM category. So it's going to be a big year for him. Um, you look at some of these other cars. I mean, the Aero Motorsport cars struggled in qualifying, but you have Ryan Dial, Oliver Jarvis, who won the championship last year, and with Meyer Shank, Dwight Merriman, and Christian Rasmussen. Great, solid lineup there. Um, Stephen Thomas, Mikkel Jensen, Scott Huffaker, and Renus VK in the TDS car, and then number 11, and then the 8 with Ferrano, uh, Kiffin Simpson. And then Scott McLaughlin and Joseph Newgarden. There's a, I mean, there's really solid, strong drivers here in this class. Uh, it's going to come down, probably going to come down to the end, maybe only a lap separation, I would think, in this class, maybe, if that. Uh, I would definitely say a dark horse candidate in that category is the Rick Ware 51, largely because Eric Lux is been in this series for many years he understands what you need to do to win these races pietro fittipaldi is just fast Sindrick, Sindrick, he's not as familiar in prototypes but honestly he he had a career i think in sports cars if if he wanted to to do that but of course he wanted to go nascar racing i think it worked out for him an lmp3 i mean the sean creek motorsports Liger, i would venture to say is a favorite there um, the 36 has some really solid drivers. And then the 74, uh, Riley car is probably the other one that I would say, those are the three to look at the performance tech team is solid and they got, uh, a youth and they got some fresh faces, JDC Miller with Bechtelsheimer, um, uh, Mason Filippi and Luca Mars. That they could be a sneaky pick there. In GTD Pro, I mean, FAF has been great over the last few years. They're Porsche factory drivers. You know, Corvette wants to win Daytona again. I mean, this class could is going to probably go down to the wire. The Mercedes really seem to be fast at Daytona, so that might give an edge to the WeatherTech car. But, I mean, you really can't go wrong with any of these picks. Uh, the one, one sneaky players at 64 Aston all the other teams have proven uh, lineups or proven people in in I not just GT but in prototypes or whatever so that's something to look at GT Daytona is just a is a toss-up uh, there's so many cars in this 25 entries I mean you wouldn't you can't go wrong going and picking a Porsche at Daytona uh, but also you think about some of the, the speed of some of these cars. I mean, the Mercedes, as I mentioned earlier, definitely fast. So a lot of the Mercedes qualified up front. And then you have, so they moved, uh, I guess they moved uh, Bill Oberlin. Yeah, so they moved that car into the GT Pro and then kept Robbie Foley's car in GT Daytona. Okay, interesting. Um, you know, going through that, I mean, those are some of these cars here. I mean, the Mercedes are the ones to watch, the, the 57, the 32, uh, 
I think those two cars they had they ran this past year, so they they've got experience. Uh, yeah, the Astons have good pace, but the Porsches are going to be there at the end, whether it's the right motorsports car. Uh, I think that's one that would be one I would look at. The right motorsports sixteen would probably be one to look at. Um, as a Jersey guy, it'd be cool to see the um, the Paul uh, Biller Racing Team. Uh, get the job done. There's some Jersey representation through this field. So, I mean, there are 61 cars, a lot of great drivers, people who have been, or who are in NASCAR, or in IndyCar, guys who've had cups of coffee in Formula One. You know, there's there's a lot of talent in this race. It's a very strong race. The biggest storyline is going to be what happens with the uh, GTP cars, the LMDH cars in terms of reliability can they make 24 hours if they can then um it should be a interesting battle amongst them if they have problems which over the years that was a thing and i was watching the 2000 rolex when uh was it rob dyson's 20 car was blowing up and eventually it quit and then the vipers won the following year they had mechanical the dyson team had mechanical problems again allowing Corvette to get a 1-2 finish in the uh, Rolex 24. And that was the year that Dale Earnhardt drove with a, with Dale Jr. in the second Corvette. So in 2003, the debut of the Daytona prototype category, Kevin Buckler and the racers group won with a, basically a GT2 Porsche, one overall. 1994, uh, mechanical problems for all the WSC, the sport, the open top sports cars, saw the Cunningham Nissan 300ZX win. In 95, uh, a Le Mans-based Kramer Porsche won uh, the overall over the world sports cars. Uh, the first time the world sports car actually won uh, was 96, and that was the where everybody found out about Mad Max Pappas, but they lost to the Blowsmobile team with Wayne Taylor, Scott Sharp, and Jim Pace. Uh, but Max Pappas was able to win that race a few years later. Ferrari was able to win that race too, with the 333 SP. So not to look at a uh, lot of competition, great uh, deep field. Um, hopefully it's a sign of things to come. Maybe some of those, uh, uh, what do you call hypercars? Well, LMH cars will come over here in upcoming years and uh, race at Daytona and race at Sebring in the 12 hours of Sebring, not just the Sebring 1000, but I think this is last year, the Sebring 1000. Um, Indianapolis, it looks like Penske wants to have an enduro there, um, along with, of course, Petit Le Mans and the six hours at the Glen. So we'll see about that. I mean, the Michelin Pilot Challenge, there's uh, a few of the Ford young Ford uh, drivers in NASCAR racing in that Michelin Pile Challenge race and GS and the Mustang GT4s, um, Zane Smith and Haley Deegan and Harrison Burton. Uh, what is, what's the other one I'm forgetting now off the top of my head? Uh, oh, Ben Rhodes. So Ben Rhodes is the other one, a former truck series champion, former winner on that road course. Um, the NASCAR version of the road course there. So, and on the oval too. So we'll see about all that. Um, Maz MX-5 Cup, of course, will be probably one of the closest races uh, of the whole entire weekend. 
um, because of all the drafting they're able to do and uh, the speed. So that'll be one to watch. Uh, let's get into NASCAR news, Josh. Um, I think the big piece, I mean, one is odds. There's, I don't know who, uh, whose odds they are. I guess odds checker uh, has put out odds for cup series champion. And uh, they're saying William Clyde Elliott, the second is the favorite at five and a half to one uh, with an implied chance of 15.4%. His teammate, the 2021 series champion, Kyle Larson is six and a half to one, uh, 13.3% chance. Denny Hamlin, nine to one to finally get that elusive championship. Ryan Blaney is at 10 to one. Ross Chastain, 12, along with Christopher Bell, defending series champion Joey Logano, and Kyle Busch making, uh, moving over to Richard Childress Racing. William Byron is at 14 to 1, and Tyler Reddick moving over to 2311. So that's 16 to 1. Interesting to look at their early odds in terms of the championship. Uh, Joey Logano being behind his teammate Ryan Blaney, I think it's surprising. Uh, Kyle Busch, who hasn't even run one lap for RCR, uh, being in that mix in the same percentage there. Um, you had three Toyotas or four Toyota drivers there. Noticeably missing was Martin Truex Jr. And then some people would want to probably say something, but Bubba Wallace did win at Kansas last year and showed a lot of potential there at the second half of the season with 2311. Uh, the Legacy Motor Club is uh, announced Todd Gordon, the former championship-winning crew chief for uh, Joey Logano a few years ago, um, had uh, retired, gotten off the road, was working for MRN. Now he's coming back to work uh, the limited schedule for Jimmy Johnson on the 84. Dave Ellens signed an extension um, to go uh, to continue working with Eric Jones, of course, they won the Southern 500 last year, so why would you leave? At the, I mean, that's a, an opportunity there to stay around, stick around, and they have. Um, there's a lot going on there. Uh, the NMPA had awards, uh, and they had the Hall of Fame induction there too. Uh, or or that might be, I think it's NMPA, or maybe mixing it up with some. Some of the other pieces that I like the one, the, the one thing I got a kick out of was Martinsville is leaving the Ross Chastain, um, hail, hail melon stripe on, um, on the, on the wall until the race week comes in, um, April. So that's something if you want to go and take a picture of the hail melon, um, aftermath on the wall. Uh, yeah, they inducted, uh, the, was it the NASCAR Hall of Fame? The induction took place last week. Saw, of course, Mac Kenseth, Kirk Shelmerdine, and Herschel McGriff get in. And then the Pioneer Award was Helton. So that was a nice ceremony. They had an interesting, uh, way of, they had their speeches or whatever, individual speeches, but then they also had, um, kind of like a round table with key players, um, Kansas case it was Junebug and Robbie Riser, Kirk Shelmerdine, it was Will Lind and Richard Childress, Herschel McGriff, it was uh, Ron Hornaday Jr. and Mr. The King. So that was uh, cool to see all that. Uh, those those were interesting and a lot of stories were told there. It was cool to see. 
uh, it was other sponsor stuff like Ryan Priest with the United Rentals. We know that that was happening. Um, 10 races, DeWalt will be on the uh, 20 car. Bass Pro will be a, will continue to sponsor Bald Spot Dylan, um, Celsius Energy Drink will uh, sponsor Corey LaJoy, including at Daytona. Um, some other sponsors, Castrol Edge will be on the car, the Roush Fenway Keselowski cars, former Bush Series winner and driver Elton Sawyer is now the senior vice president of competition uh, for NASCAR, taking over for um, that bobblehead Scott Miller. Uh, you got some other ones. Yeah, Chandler Smith is going to attempt the Daytona 500 in a number uh what is it, number 13 car? Yeah, number 13 car in the um, Cup Series, of course, number 16 in the Xfinity Series. Uh, there's news, I don't know if we got Kyle Busch, Clint Boyer, Kevin Harvick, amongst others, going to make guest appearances in the SRX, Thursday Night Thunder, Hamlin, uh, going to do a podcast. Yeah, so Dale Jr. On part of being a part of the Dirty Mo Media uh xfinity i mentioned ryan ellis of course he's uh, gonna be driving for alpha prime got a sponsor for vegas brad perez will be racing at least one race at coda and with a possibility of running the chicago street course for emerling gase racing justin haley has been announced as a lead uh, driver part of the all-star car in the 10 for college racing and because of the sponsorship situation there, Ryan Vargas is going to drive for Mike Harmon in the 74. And uh, he'll also be driving in the number 30 on point truck. So that'll be uh, something to see for Vargas. William Sawalich will be driving for Tricon Garage in, uh, in what is it, six races this year. So there's that. Um, trying to go through rookie, you know, rookie of the year candidates. Yeah. So in the truck series, there'll be five Raja Ruth and Daniel die, the teammates of GMS, Nick Sanchez with rev slash Kyle Busch motorsports, Bill McAnally racing with Jake Garcia and Brett Holmes driving for himself in, uh, number 32, uh, Sammy Smith. And the 18 for JGR, Parker Retzlaff for Jordan Anderson, and Chandler Smith will be um, rookies in the Xfinity Series. And then Noah Gregson and Ty Gibbs will be the rookies in the Cup Series, which everybody knew anyway. So, uh, Josh, I don't know which ones stood out to you, some of these stories uh, or some of the pieces that came out uh, over the last week or so, but... Um, I, I think the Jimmy Johnson being able to get Todd Gordon to come out of retirement is pretty big. Uh, Sam Hunt going and getting Tyler Reddick, who won last year for the 48 team, um, which now has Parker Kligerman running for them full time. But I think that's a huge get for Sam Hunt racing to go and get a, a two-time Xfinity champion to drive for them, get that R&D, get that knowledge um, in in their team, of course, getting they have the connection with Joe Gibbs Racing too, so they get good pieces there. I mean, yeah, there's a lot of uh, early season or preseason news to come out for uh, NASCAR, but you know, I think 
you know, you brought up the championship odds, you know, the early odds for the championship, and I find it unbelievable a little bit that uh, Chase Elliott is the odds on, early odds on favorite. I mean, even though he did have a good regular season, uh, you know, and it, he was able to go out and, you know, secure the regular season championship and everything, but he had a really weak play, uh, playoff run, and uh, I don't really get that one. Uh, I mean, if anything, it should be Logano to be the favorite or, uh, you know, even uh, Kyle Larson to an extent. You know, I think both those drivers had better playoff runs uh, than uh, than Chase Elliott. I mean, even though, you know, Chase Elliott made it to the Final Four, but he didn't do anything. Like, he literally just kind of hung around and was able to make it into the Final Four. So, you know, I mean, I obviously it's the... Um, you know, betting or whatever, but like, uh, you know, I guess they are trying to pick something, but I just, you know, don't understand the, I guess, feeling there in, uh, that sentiment, but it is what it is. And maybe he ends up being the champion and we're all wrong. So, uh, we'll see, but yeah, it's just my opinion on that one. Um, you know, as far as the other stories, I mean, obviously Todd Gordon coming out of retirement, uh, it's a good, good pick championship winning crew chief with, uh, Joey Logano. Um, you know, going out and uh, pairing up with uh, the seven-time champion and the seven-time owner uh, and seven-time uh, legend with Richard Petty there. Uh, but that's significant, obviously. But at the same time, uh, you know, it's only part-time. So, you know, he's you know coming out of retirement for a little bit. But it's uh, going to be interesting help, uh, you know, with leadership that that guy's had at Penske, uh, bring that over to uh, that team, Legacy Motor Club, uh, should be interesting. Um, he's been, you know, championship owner or championship winner before. So bring that level of experience, uh, to that team and help them grow uh, along with Jimmy. Um, yeah, I'm sure he'll have ideas on setup and, uh, you know, on, on how to, you know, prepare the car and, um, you know, be, uh, asset to the other two full-time cars. So I think that's a pretty significant signing there. Um, but yeah, I mean, some of these, other stories like, you know, like with, uh, you know, Reddick running in the Sam Hunt racing. Uh, I mean, obviously it's alignment with Toyota. Obviously the 48 was a Chevy. So, you know, clearly, you know, this is, a uh, you know, helping Toyota with, uh, their, um, Xfinity program and, um, obviously not a Joe Gibbs racing car, but, you know, still affiliated with Toyota. So, and, you know, they've had, uh, Joe Gibbs drivers before, you know, with, uh, John Hunter Nemechek through, uh, kbm running for sam hunt so this is you know kind of the same tie in there but you know he's getting more experience you know throughout the weekends and certainly uh should help him uh be a, a better you know at whatever track he's going to be running for xfinity and you know of course uh, helps that team with the two-time xfinity champion coming to race their cars and you know being able to um you know uh get it feedback experience from that so should be interesting um you know, some of the other stories here, uh, of course, Vargas, uh, you know, running double duty and extending trucks. I mean, you know, why not try to get more exposure, you know, and try to, you know, level on up into a, a you know, bigger ride or better ride, uh, in one of those series. Uh, so just get more chances there. Um, you know, the rookie of the year candidates and, in, in these, uh, you know, throughout the series. So you got Caruth, Daniel Dye, Nick Sanchez, Jake Garcia, Brett Holmes, all running in, uh, rookie of the year for craftsman trucks it's gonna be interesting and um, a lot of these guys don't have a ton of experience but you know, expect uh you know roger caruth and 24 with gms uh to be uh really good and 
um, you know, uh, Brett Holmes, Nick Sanchez, those guys could be pretty competitive as well. Uh, and then, you know, from there, I mean, that's really the only like deep rookie class in NASCAR, uh, this season so far, you got Sammy Smith and Parker Retz left, uh, going up against each other. Uh, but I mean, I think clearly, you know, Sammy Smith, probably the favorite and to Chandler them. Smith. Okay. And Chandler Smith. I'm looking, I'm looking at the posts on Jayski and they only have two in each series for, okay. So they did add Chandler Smith. So that's, that's true. So, uh, I was looking at the list and they hadn't updated it on Jayski, but they did have the tweet above it and I was just reading off the list, but yeah, Sammy Smith, Chandler Smith, that should be the race then, uh, for the Xfinity, um, uh, class, uh, for rookies. Um, Rhett's left might have speed at some of the tracks, but yeah, I think he's, um, I mean, I think he's probably good, but just, uh, you know, Jordan Anderson racing, you know, they're not really a, a top contender, um, at most of the tracks, you know, they've got decent speed, but they're not gonna be able to hang with colleague or, uh, Joe Gibbs racing in my opinion. Uh, but you know, we'll see. He could come down to some lucky, uh, results here, uh, throughout the year. And then of course in the cup series, you got, Basically, the rivals from the Xfinity series we talked about before with Gregson and Gibbs um, coming up to the Cup Series. And uh, I mean, there's only two drivers in, in the rookie class, but at the same time, you know, two very, very talented drivers. Uh, so, uh, in that regard, a very uh, quality rookie class, uh, regardless of, you know, their character or whatever, they've, you know, both proven themselves now in the Xfinity series. And uh, now they're taking the next step in the Cup Series. So, you will know, we'll see, you know, what they're able to do. But uh, I mean, it should be interesting throughout the year uh, what these two guys can do behind the wheel of the next-gen car and which one can handle it and, you know, potentially get their first victory or, you know, possibly even, well, I mean, if they do win, either of them qualify for the NASCAR playoffs. So uh, we'll see how that turns out. But, um, you know, almost almost kind of similar to, you know, some of the rookie classes that we've seen in the past where, you know, you had, um, you know, two drivers or uh only handful of drivers compete, but they're both really good. I mean, not making any comparisons or anything, but, you know, go back to, uh, you know, the 2000 rookie class, Dale Jr. and uh, Matt Kenseth, you know, both, you know, popular drivers and both very good drivers in the Bush series back in 98 and 99. And then, you know, go to, uh, you know, 2002 rookie class, Jimmy Johnson, uh, of course, and Ty, or not Ty Gibbs, but, and Ryan Newman, uh, you know, both of those guys, you know, those are the two rookies that year, but you know, both of them went on to have pretty successful careers in NASCAR. Uh, so you don't always need a deep rookie class to, uh, see, you know, how, uh, rookies are going to do. Sometimes you just have a handful and it should be a very interesting race, uh, throughout the year to see who gets uh, rookie of the year and, you know, who makes the most, uh, waves in the cup series, uh, this season. So should be an interesting battle throughout the year. Considering how many drivers won last year in the cup series, what will happen in year two of the uh, next gen gen seven car? Will it continue with some of these new guys, uh, the two rookies, and then you add AJ Allmendinger running a full time schedule. Justin Haley got close a couple of times. Um, there's other people there. Ryan Priest is now a full time driver for Stuart Haas. Um, you know, there's there's some players, people who didn't win last year, Blaney, uh, Martin Truex, amongst others. Uh, so that, that those are all players for sure. Uh, the rookie battle, uh, quality over quantity in the um, Cup Series. Xfinity, like Josh said, is pretty straightforward between the Smiths. And then um, the Truck Series one will be one to look at. 
I think the uh, two uh, diversity guys uh, with um, Nick Sanchez, the defending ARCA series champion, driving for Kyle Busch Motorsports, and uh, Raja Carruth, driving for GMS, Daniel Dye, is aggressive, um, knowing that they have that veteran leadership with uh, Mike Beam will and, and Grant Infinger and all, I think that'll be a big part of what can help one of those guys um, in their run to possibly win Rookie of the Year. So, And tr- trying to make the truck playoffs is very difficult, too. So that's something to look at as well with their wonky schedule. Okay, so we will move on to the roundup, GSP roundup. Start with the uh, opener for the World Rally Championship 2023 Rally Monte Carlo. Sebastian Ogier, the eight-time world champion, is now a nine-time winner of Rally Monte Carlo, breaking his tie with his longtime rival, Sebastian Loeb. Uh, beating in his Toyota. He finished second in this race last year to Loeb, who was driving for Ford. OJ beats the defending world champion, Cali Rovampera, by 18.8 seconds. And uh, third place was Thierry Neuville in a, in a Hyundai. Toyota takes, uh, what is it, three of the top four and four of the top six spots. Atanek, former world champion, in his first race back with Ford, finished fifth. Uh, Takamoto Katsuda uh, finished sixth. Danny Sordo seventh. Essa Pekalapi for Hyundai was eighth. The um, Rally 2 uh, winner finished ninth. I don't know who any of the people are. Adrian Formeau uh, was driving uh, Rally 2 Ford. Last year he was in the WRC or in the Rally 1 class. Oliver Solberg running a Skoda uh, finished uh, 14th. Stefan Lefebvre, a former uh, sports car driver. Now he does rallying. Francois Delacour, he's got to be like 90 years old. Jeez. Um, look through some of these other people. Uh, yeah, no. Okay. So their next race will be Rally Sweden. Uh, OGA is only running a limited schedule. So the points battle, of course, is Rovampera over Newville, uh, Evans, Tanek, and Katsuda. That's what we'll look at uh, right now. Of course, OGA has an eight-point lead uh, or three-point lead because of the bonus points uh, that Rovampera got through the the power stage to end the race. Uh, Rovampera has a six-point lead on Newville and eight points on Evans, nine on uh, on Tanak. The trying to see here, yeah, got stuff about supercars and the. Uh, Balance of performance there doesn't look so good for Ford. Uh, valuation, uh, Nick Tandy, you had wrecked in uh, qualifying in the Porsche that's in the bus stop. You got some of that other stuff there. Uh, Supercross was in San Diego this past weekend. Uh, saw uh, more of the usual so far in or in recent, recent races. Uh, we saw the... Uh, Eli Tomac get his second win of the year out of two races. Of course, they weren't able, they were not able to race uh, at, uh, I think, Anaheim 2 or whatever, Oakland, because of the mudslides and everything that was going on. So they were able to run at San Diego this past weekend. In the 250 uh, race, it was Jet Lawrence, one led, led every lap. 
and he is uh, the points leader by six over R.J. Hampshire and ten over Cameron McAdoo. So R.J. Hampshire riding for, I mean, Jet Lawrence for Honda, R.J. Hampshire for Husqvarna, and Cameron McAdoo for Kawasaki. Uh, you have um, Enzo Lopes is on Yamaha, and Mitchell Oldenburg is on a Kawasaki as well. And, um, or no, actually he's on a Honda, my my fault there. Uh, the race itself at uh, at San Diego, Lawrence, Hampshire, McAdoo, your podium, Enzo Lopes was fourth, Pierce Brown on the gas gas, finished fifth, Diles Robertson, sixth, Oldenburg, seventh, Phil Nicoletti, eighth, Derek Kelly, and Cole Thompson round out your top ten. Uh, I'm trying to see all that. Nobody who fell out, anybody of great significance there. And then in um, the 450 class, get through, scroll through all that, and see Eli Tomac win uh, his second race of the season uh, over Cooper Webb and Justin Barsha. So Yamaha, KTM, and Gas Gas. Ken Roxon fourth on the Suzuki. Chase Sexton coming from the LCQ um, to get in. Started 19th, finished 5th. Dylan Ferrandis, Jason Anderson, Adam Cianciarulo, Aaron Plessinger, and Joey Savacci round out the top 10. Uh, Malcolm Stewart had speed, but like at Anaheim, crashed crashed multiple times. Uh, finished 15th, so unfortunate for him. Uh, Dean Wilson had a rough go of it as well. You got Colt Nichols, got the whole shot, but wasn't able to really hold up there. Christian Craig, uh, just outside the top 10 as well. Uh, the point standings right now, Eli Tomac has a six-point lead over Cooper Webb and 13 on Chase Sexton and 15 on Roxon, 16 over Ferrandis and 19 over Justin Barsha, 20 on Jason Anderson. So that's already in two races. That's You're giving up uh, all those points. I mean, Cooper Webb is having a, a great comeback season. Uh, after a rough year last year as trying to defend his second championship. Uh, but he needs to win. He needs to get past Eli Tomac because if this continues, it's going to be over. Uh, Sexton has to limit the mistakes. He's got the speed to be up there, but he needs to limit the mistakes to stay, to be able to battle Tomac. Uh, they'll be racing at a high two uh, this coming weekend for the Supercross, uh, both of. 250 and 450 classes. We'll talk about it next week, of course, on the episode 154 of the GSP. Uh, we have Nitro Rallycross, first time uh, for them on the, on the show. That's the all-electric uh, class of rallying, um, and they uh, raced at Trois-Rivières uh, and saw Oliver Erickson to win uh, the race. And uh, so trying to see the you know, race, yeah, race results here. It'd be nice if they could actually list it. No, they don't. That's stupid. All right, uh, Group E results. There you go. In um, at Tra Riviere saw um, Oliver Erickson beat brother Kevin uh, by three point two nine eight seconds, and then uh, Robin Larson third, Fraser McConnell fourth, Travis Pastrana fifth, Oliver Bennett sixth. Connor Martell, 7th, and Andreas Backerud uh, finished 8th. Uh, you had Travis won at Phoenix 
earlier this or earlier last year. Uh, you had uh, and at round round three in Minneapolis. So he's won a couple of races so far this season. I'm trying to go and see. I don't know where the points. They don't show the point standings though. But um, yeah, so the next race they'll have is in Calgary at uh, at the Stampede Park, where um, Calgary, uh, what do you call it? Calgary Stampeders football team uh, plays. So that they'll race there at, in a couple weeks' time, and then in uh, the final race will be at Glen Helen Raceway uh, to end the the. The 2022-2023 season. Uh, so that Michaela, oh, oh, she's the one that was in Extremey. Um, George McGinnis. Oh, so that's that's a petrol class. Okay, I don't know what cross car is. Um, never even. Most of them are all Swedish. Huh. She looks depressed. Uh, what's it called? I'm trying to go through here. Oh, so Travis Restrepo is in that class. Okay, and uh, she ain't been looking. Right after about oh, Maddo is in that class and then racist uh brian deegan jeff Matasevich, the former the former uh supercross rider back in the day um leah block is in that class okay bj baldwin uh, oh interesting okay gotta do a little bit more uh digging on on the class there uh formula e will be back this weekend for a double header at the saudi uh epri uh, in Daria or whatever uh, been there a few times as it stands they raced at mexico city at hermanos rodriguez uh jake dennis for andretti uh, andretti porsche won the first race uh verline for the porsche factory team was second and uh he's tied with former champion luca de Grassi, who's um racing for mahindra this year andre lauder's fourth jq's fifth uh, some of the people look at, I'm um, trying to see who somebody's missing. They're going to miss what's it called? Uh, this race. Uh, yeah. Calvin Vanderlinda is going to replace Robin Frines uh, because of the broken wrist for, um, and suffered in a crash there for Frines. I'm trying to see where, yeah, trying to see where, uh, if Frines even had, I don't think if he crashed, he had to have not, um, yeah, he didn't score. And, um, yeah, it doesn't look. Yeah, he didn't score there. Uh, yeah, Buemi Da Costa, former champions of the series. Yeah, Stoffel Van Dorn, the defending world uh, champion. John Eric Verne didn't score points. Uh, former champion. He's a, uh, he'll look for recovery there and um, the double header, trying to get some points back. But it'll be interesting to see with this new Gen Three car what can come of uh, what happens in qualifying and what they're able to do in the race. It was very, it went, it was kind of wild in the first race. So something to see. Um, Andretti Autosport is up 14 points on Porsche, 20 on Mahindra, and uh, McLaren and Envision are tied with 10 points apiece, fourth and fifth. Jaguar sixth and Dragon Racing, uh, which is the um, DS team now, is seventh. The Maserati team, Team Apt, Nissan, Edams, and Neo team did not score points, so we'll see if they can get on the board uh, this weekend. After Saudi, they'll wait a couple of weeks and they'll be going to Hyderabad 
in India for the first Indian EPRI, India EPRI. So yeah, cool to see that. Uh, the get to the last thing, last part of uh, the roundup is race of champions. Uh, this uh, this coming this weekend, I'll be ran, running uh, snow and ice in Sweden. So the cars they're gonna have a, a Cupra electric. I think it's an electric, yeah, concept. And they're gonna have two electric cars. Okay, a Polaris. Um, what is it? A I forget what they call those um, the cars, but uh, quad. It's not a quad, but it's got the roof or whatever. A supercar light. So those are four different types of vehicles, and then the drivers for the uh, race for this weekend amongst the the group will be four-time world champion Sebastian Vettel, Formula One world champion, uh, nine-time world rally champion Sebastian Loeb, four-time winner of this race of champions, and won the Rock ROC Nations Cup once. Um, Vettel has won this Racer Champions once in the Nations Cup seven times. Um, Travis Pastrana uh, coming back for an eighth time, finished second in the uh, Nations Cup. So that'll we'll see what he can do. Mick Schumacher, a silver in the Nations Cup. He'll be working with his mentor, uh, Sebastian Vettel, for Germany. Try to get another championship, get another Racer Champions. Valtteri Botas making his debut in this uh, competition. Uh, Jamie Chadwick for the second time racing in this. So see what she can do. The Andretti Autosport driver in um, whatever whatever they call it, Indy FX or whatever the fuck they, they called it, whatever they named the Indy Light Series. Thierry Neuville uh, making his debut in this uh, competition. Uh, then you have Johan Christofferson, five-time World Rallycross champion in Extreme E. Uh, champion last year so won one nation's cup david coulthard has won the race of champions twice and rock roc nation's cup once and he's like 85 oliver solberg uh junior champion the son of former world rally champion petter part of a win winning team in the nation's cup Uh, tanner faust making his second appearance in the uh, race of champions working with Travis Pastrana. So we'll see what he can do. Felipe Drogovic, the Formula Two champion, making his debut. Mika Hakkinen racing with uh, Valtteri Botas. So that'll be for Finland, only his second time in this race. Tom Tom Christensen, the nine t- time winner of the Rolla, or I mean the Le Mans 24 Hours, finished second in the race of champions five times. And in the Nations Cup, won three times. So something to see what he can do. Adrian Tombay, the son of uh, former Formula One driver Patrick Tombay, making his debut. Petter Solberg is going to be um, racing not with his son because different nationality. He's going to be racing. Trying to see who he is going to be racing with. You know, listed and they should list it by the team, but whatever. Uh, Silver in a in the nation race of champions, two time winner in the nation's cup. Matthias Ekstrom, uh, three time winner of the race of champions, former two time DTM champion, won the nation's cup once. Felix Rosenquist will be making his debut. Uh, the IndyCar driver for McLaren uh, will be driving with Oliver Solberg. That could be a very formidable. Um, driver uh 
pairing for sure. And then you have Faust Pastrana, Kristofferson Ekstrom. Yeah, so that's that's going to be really tough. Sweden's going to be tough. Uh, Adrian Tombe joining Sebastian Loeb. That's um, so that'll be a, a good thing to see. We'll see what happens with that. Who who does what? I'm trying to go Legend Rising Stars. Valtteri Botas. They talked about Loeb beats Vettel. Crown Rock Jones, Sweden Snow. And then Patter and Oliver Solberg. Okay, so last year father and son raced against, we raced with each other, and now this year um, they're racing for different. So I don't understand that, but whatever. Or maybe they are racing together. Maybe I looked at it wrong. But uh, trying to go ten ten. Yeah, the Norway's route. Okay, so they are racing together, even though the flags are different. Okay, all right. So that'll be something. They'll be a formidable team too. Uh, and we'll let you know who won the race of champions and the nation's cup next week on the GSP. Josh, uh, your time to go and let us know what's going on, uh, in the world of, uh, sim racing and I racing and other gaming platforms, uh, to see what's, uh, what's up there. Um, been a lot of things going on recently, of course. So, um, let us know what uh, is going on in I racing and elsewhere. Yeah, of course. I mean, the uh, iRacing Daytona 24 Hours was this past weekend. Uh, I was actually not in it, but had other plans this weekend. It was in Orlando, but um, it happened, and uh, obviously the first of the special events this year on iRacing, but um, it was, uh, from what I saw, it was a pretty good uh, event. Um, I you know didn't really hear any uh, complaints, really, or major complaints, like with the uh, 24 Hours Virtual Le Mans uh, that happened a couple weeks ago, nothing like that. So at least uh, iRacing seems to have their stuff working out, uh, you know, mostly smooth, I'm going to guess, and no real issues. Um, I think I saw Tony Kanon, like, complain about something on Twitter, but I haven't really looked into it. Um, but, you know, I think maybe there was just some issues um, that he was running into, but I don't think it was a problem that affected everybody, like what happened at the 24 Hours Le Mans uh with motorsport games, but, um, you know, iRacing certainly a lot better infrastructure there. Uh, but, uh, yeah, let's see here. The 24 hours of Le Mans that are, are at Daytona for iRacing, um, of course, uh, had 16,000 drivers and among those 16,000, they had 4,100 teams, uh, you know, take place 85 splits. Uh, so, uh, a lot of people were on that, uh, you know, a lot you know on on that uh game during that time so a lot of people um and you know it was a very interesting uh event i think uh williams esports uh won in the bmw uh prototype that they have available now the uh lmdh uh you know bmw v8 hybrid uh that they have on there that was a uh, won the official uh i racing so that's like i guess the highest split on broadcast that all the esports teams participate in um williams esports uh took home the victory there uh so good result there um but you know the ability to run in the rolex 24 in that class and then also run against the delara p27 or p yeah p217 and gt3 lmp2s um yeah it's a interesting event of course um you know, mirrors the real life event that's going to happen this weekend. Uh, so, you know, uh, opportunity, you know, if you're able to, you know, run, run that, it's always interesting. Uh, I know, you know, there've been people in the past that have run, tried to run the whole thing themselves, 
uh, solo uh, to be able to run or raise money for charities or whatever on on their stream. I've known people that have done that in the past, so I didn't hear anything about it this year. So uh, that's you know always an uh, interesting challenge. Uh, of course, that was the big event this uh, this past weekend on iRacing, uh, I did, I did some iRacing myself, uh, with the Ferrari GT3 Challenge Cup, uh, ran, ran the, uh, Daytona Speedway, uh, road course, um, and ran 15 minute races. So it's pretty interesting there. Um, you know, with the new, uh, pedals that I got, you know, this past, uh, December, been able to feel like I've been getting better at road course racing, but you know, also there've been some times where I got really aggressive and, uh, you know, went too deep into the corner and spun out or whatever, but you know, that's part of it and part of the growth, I guess, trying to expand into road course racing now with uh, being able to brake a lot more accurately and, um, you know, brake more efficiently with uh, those new pedals. So, you know, we'll continue to, um, run, uh, road racing there, um, and everything, uh, this week, I racing, uh, you know, it's an interesting time, uh, to be playing iRacing, of course, uh, you know, as we get ready for the new racing season to start, uh, and everything, um, you know, in the, uh, NASCAR series, uh, this week on the oval side, you've got in the 87 cars, you've got, uh, Talladega is on, on the schedule this week. So that should be interesting. And then Xfinity, uh, Indianapolis Motor Speedway oval, uh, on the, on the schedule. So, you know, that should be, a, uh, interesting, uh, you know, set of super speedway racing and then speedway racing with the Xfinity car. Um, you know, otherwise, uh, you, you've got the Indy car at Atlanta motor speedway. Uh, I think this is on the, the new oval at Atlanta. So, uh, you know, it's going to be super fast and, um, you're going to have a lot of drafting and all that stuff with the Indy car, uh, road racing wise. Uh, you've got the, uh, what you have, you have, uh, the Toyota GR 86 series, uh, which is, you know, been a pretty interesting series, uh, that I've, uh, liked racing as of late. Um, uh, you got this week on that, uh, event or that series you have, uh, the, I'm trying to, trying to pull this up on the schedule. Uh, but it's been an interesting series to race in, you know, so far cars are pretty stable and everything. Um, I think they're racing at, uh, Laguna Seca this weekend. So that should be interesting, uh, race there or actually no, not Laguna Seca. They're racing at Fuji international speedway. Sorry, I was reading schedule wrong, but, uh, you have at Fuji international speedway. So the grand prix circuit there. Um, so that might be an interesting one to uh, participate in, uh, global Fanatec challenge racing at, uh, spa. So that's the Cadillac CTS or the Kia Optima should be good racing there. Uh, then you have the uh, Skip Barber racing. Uh, let's see this week, Skip Barber racing at Watkins Glen on the boot. So that might be an interesting one there. Uh, I think Skip Barber is one of the free cars that comes in the series with iRacing when you uh, sign up. Um, you have the GT3 Challenge that I talked about earlier. This week they're going to be competing at Silverstone on the Grand Prix circuit. Uh, so that should be interesting there. Uh, you have the Touring Car Challenge with the Hyundai uh, Velocitor and the Honda Civic and the Honda Elantra and the Audi, Audi RS3 competing this week at Magni Cores. So, uh, should be interesting, uh, to be racing in that series. Um, so there's a lot of, uh, you know, opportunities, you know, road or oval, uh, as always on iRacing and it's great 
platform to be able to compete on uh, and, you know, have a stable platform, unlike other people, uh, other developers, you know, to be able to compete on. So, you know, at least it's got that going and, you know, you can go on and race whenever you want. And, you know, whether you're in a community or in just on the, you know, regular uh, schedule that they provide, you can race at any time and uh, have a lot of fun. So, of course, uh, you know, uh, it's been, you know, going to be a good year of sim racing, I think, you know, even with all the controversies that have happened, you know, should be should be a lot of fun to be had this year. Uh, and, of course, uh, when I stream, of course, you can uh, follow on Twitch TV slash Sailor 2 and go on there and see all my racing when I do put it on. So uh, should be should be a good uh, you know year for streaming, good year for sim racing overall. Um, then of course we'll start the close here. Of course, as I mentioned, you follow at uh, Twitch TV slash Sailor 2 Go and watch my uh, Irishing streams when I have it on. Still have all some of my highlights from last year on there and my latest broadcasts on there from a couple of weeks ago and. Um, you watch also the Indy 500 highlight that's there should be there for the end of time. So you can be able to go on there and watch that stuff. Uh, and then of course, Twitter, JP Huffine, go in there and see all my racing takes as we carry for the new season of racing and, you know, being able to talk about that. And then also, you know, the 2022 Jag season and, uh, everything that happened there, of course, uh, you know, all my takes, opinions and, um, you know, likes and retweets on that one. So go look, uh, uh, go look up and follow my page there at uh, JP Huffine. And then, of course, our YouTube page where I post the videos for this show. Go on there, follow our page, Group Share Podcast, and go and see our, our stuff there. Like and subscribe to our videos, comment, you know, engage, uh, do whatever, and give feedback. And, uh, you know, subscribe to the show, support the show uh, through that avenue, and, uh, you know, continue to help us out as we uh, continue to progress into this uh, year of racing. So, uh, as always, Phil, glad to be on another week of racing, another week of sports, and talking about it with you. So, um, you know, good luck to Ford Dyers, and, you know, good luck to you uh, this uh, Sunday, and hopefully you know, we come on the show next week. Ford Niners will be uh, in the Super Bowl again. So uh, looking forward to talking about that. So, of course, uh, hand it over to you for the rest of the close. Absolutely, man. Wouldn't want to do the show with anyone else. Uh, we always are able to discuss all things motorsports and sports uh on the gsp uh you can find us anywhere where uh podcasts are are basically distributed we're out we're basically everywhere uh, in terms of uh the gripster podcast at gripster pod on twitter um we're on of course youtube gripster podcast josh handles that um we're also um i'm on twitter at philip g matthew on twitter decided to crap crap out earlier this uh afternoon so looks like it's back to being okay but or whatever it is but um yeah you can find us you can find uh the show also at philipgmatthew.com and um if you wanted to go in the blog site hoping to go and get that going again um and go and uh, start writing more so we'll see about that a uh, part of you know part of the progression in this new year part of uh going and growing uh, as part of a uh, new year and uh, turning turning the page on to age 38 so we'll see what we can do with that and um enjoy this week taking some vacation so it's nice don't really get to do that usually so it's nice to actually take some time off 
Um, looking forward to that and um, looking forward to some other activities along with the bowling and um, hanging out with family and the like. So hope uh, you'll hope you'll have some good news on next week for episode 154 of the Grip Strip podcast, meaning that the Niners are in the Super Bowl. Either way, uh, it's going to be an interesting couple of games on Sunday during championship weekend. And uh, hope you all will go and keep on liking, subscribing, going and sharing our show and uh, let other people know to listen to the Grip Strip podcast. Uh, so for Josh, I'm Phil. Um, enjoy the football. Enjoy the Rolex. And we'll be back next week for episode 154 of the Grip Strip podcast. Take care. Goodbye.